welcome to the Pelican Brief with your host, David Tapman. Welcome to the Pelican Brief. I am your host, David Tatman. We have a very special guest in our studio today, John Weibel, who is running for state representative in District 75. And welcome to the show, John. Thank you, David. Well, appreciate you having me here. Oh, well, I appreciate you, A, uh, being willing to do this and spend time with us today and uh, offering yourself for public service. And we'll, we'll learn a little more because I know you're already in public service. But why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and tell them a little bit about you? Sure. Well, thank you again. Uh, John Weibel, uh, candidate for District 75. District 75 is all of Washington Parish and only Washington Parish. Um, I am the father of uh, three. My wife has been a uh, public school teacher. This is her 32nd year. Public service is very important to us. Um, I am currently in my fourth term as school board president for the Washington Parish School System, fifth year as president. Um, very proud of um, my, my children and two beautiful granddaughters. And um, that's a little bit about, about my background. So tell us a little bit about your district. So uh, who, who currently serves in that district? Yeah, so it's interesting. Prior to redistricting, um, where I live in Washington Parish, I was part of 74, which is Representative Freeman, okay. who's running for judge. All right. And, of course, the other part of Washington Parish was uh, District 75, Representative Melinda White, who's running for parish president. Okay. And uh, so now District 75 is all of rural Washington Parish. Okay. Uh, so it's a population just under... 50,000, about twenty-five to 26,000 registered voters. Yeah, that's, yeah. Aw- that's awesome. I, uh, I guess with, I really, with reapportionment, I guess maybe uh, I didn't realize how significant some of those districts have been cut up and, uh, you know, uh, reconstituted, re, uh, I guess would be the right word. But I bet some people don't even know what district they're voting in, right? It, it's still a little bit of a struggle. Uh, especially in rural Louisiana, because um, you, you really have to get your message out. Um, print media, you know, we have two local newspapers that both weeklies mm-hmm. uh, can be, um, they're, they're great resources, but, but sometimes, you know, not everybody's reading that. Uh, social media, all of these things. But um, leading up to early voting and election day, you really have to work hard to make sure people understand what's on their ballot. Of course, the Go Vote app is an amazing resource and tool, and I encourage is. everyone to download that app and use it because it tells you exactly what's on your ballot. Yeah, no, I, I think it's great. And, uh, it's, sometimes uh, we do some really good things in Louisiana, and that's one of them, uh, really good access to voting information. So I know you currently serve um, in uh, public office as a public servant. What made you want to run for the Louisiana legislature? You know, David, I really reflected, and my family and I, uh, at the time, my oldest son and daughter-in-law and our one granddaughter were living up in North Carolina. He's a former airman in the United States Air Force. My youngest son is in the United States Air Force, as we speak, part of the Honor Guard. But we were all together um, 18 months ago or more in North Carolina, and we talked about it. 
And one of the big questions I have as someone born and raised in Louisiana is, did I, did I do the right thing in staying here and raising my family here? Now, I believe I did, but I feel like there's so much potential and there's so many, so many opportunities for us. But the reality is our young people, like two of my sons uh, and so many other children and grandchildren are leaving our state. And so it's be a part of the solution that makes it better or, you know, not. And I, I just, I couldn't sit on the sidelines anymore. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, and and uh, you and I are friends, been knowing each other for a long time. I don't know if you know, but my son is an LSU mechanical engineering graduate, now works in Virginia, uh, in Newport News, building uh, aircraft carriers for the United States Navy. And uh, because there just weren't that many options in Louisiana. So right. we spent all that money educating uh, a young man uh, with a very uh, good degree. And in order to do the things that they want to do, they have to leave the state. So we clearly need to be uh, uh, looking at how we handle that. Uh, I, I think uh, there was a recent article, you may have seen it, that talked about the out-migration uh, in Louisiana, I believe the only Southern state uh, where that's happening. And it's just really disappointing. I'd love to have my, uh, He's not baby, but my, 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 you know, my baby boy is, you know, six foot one, 200 pounds, but I'd love to have him here in Louisiana. And the crazy thing is he really wants to be here in Louisiana. There's just not the job opportunities, um, you know, out there to, unless you want to work in a specific area, you know, oil and gas or petrochemical, you can get a job here. But um, so let's pretend uh, that we do this little exercise where we pretend last night you were elected to the legislature. And uh, you know, tomorrow is your first day on the job. What are the what are the you know top two or three things that you want to do as a state representative uh, to uh, to to make change in Louisiana? Absolutely, and that's an easy question because it's what I've been talking about for well over a year now. We have to address workforce. Um, we we know that our our tax structure and our tax system and overall our business climate is not where it needs to be and we have to fix that but really the foundation of what we need to fix and make uh, attractive to business and industry is our workforce and it's not that we don't have the talented people we're not placing the talented people in the programs and the opportunities that best fit the economy and opportunities we have here so we've got to we have to work on uh, workforce um, I've said all along in, in Washington Parish, one of the very first meetings I'm having right after Election Day, within days, hopefully, is uh, education partners, but including North Shore Technical and Community College, Southeastern, uh, where my good friend Dr. Wayne White's the president, um, and our K-12 systems, but also inviting, you know, we have some some great businesses in Washington Parish. Mm -hmm. We have families who have invested generations of their time, their sweat, their blood, their financial investments, who are have incredible businesses. And we're not aligning. Um, and it's frustrating, especially when you serve on the school board and you're like, why are we not doing these things? But then you understand that it's really state policy and state laws that drive a lot of that here in Louisiana. So the first thing is, how do we uh, expand career technical education to continue to grow that area, but not just expand it for the sake of expanding it. How are we aligning it with the job opportunities in the North Shore region, in my case, mm -hmm. here? 
Um, the, the other piece of it is looking at the other end of workforce development, and that's the birth to eight space, mm -hmm. the eight-year-old space. What are we doing to provide those working families access to quality early child care? And are we doing everything we can as a state to address from kindergarten to third grade a curriculum that's really focused on foundational skills mm -hmm. that our young learners need to be successful yeah. in whatever journey they choose. So I think that's a great starting point. Um, you know, I have some other concerns around, um, believe it or not, my background is in agriculture. Okay. Yeah. I uh, used to work for the LSU Ag Center many moons ago. seems like about three lifetimes ago. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, food production and security and the future of ag production, it's so important here in Louisiana. And obviously that includes our seafood industries, our commodities, all of those things that, you know, Louisiana is a vital player in feeding the world, mm -hmm. not just the United States. And we have to make sure that we protect those resources, um, protect who's investing in those resources, and we prioritize the needs of our producers and farmers so that we can continue to have that, that global role right. in there. So. So just, just in, a few areas. So in so I'm thinking Washington Parish is a big agricultural mm -hmm. uh, parish, right? That's one of the big. We um, are, yeah, yeah, we are. We're, we're dominated by timber and the, mm -hmm. the you know uh, logging and wood industry, and those are very important to us. And um, I certainly support those efforts. Of course, we have the um, box mill, the paper mill in Bogalusa. Right. Um, you know that still is is very important to us. They're a great partner in our community. They provide, you know, upwards of, say, 500 jobs. Um, but there's also a lot of other opportunities. We've, we've lost our dairy industry, although we do have dairy farmers still there. But, you know, um, our watermelon production is um, as good as it gets anywhere in the United States. And we actually have a program that protects our watermelon growers and producers. And, you know, there are instances out there where people take advantage of that mm -hmm. and so we got to protect the quality and credibility and branding of our watermelon farmers uh, of all things and of course beef, beef production is yeah. very well, important. When I was a, a, a child my uh, dad uh, owned a grocery store and uh, back then you know you just didn't have the sort of distribution channels that you have now so he would send me up with a couple of his employees in a truck and we would go to Washington Parish and pick watermelons. So yes. I, I could say that was one of my previous professions. Right. <laughs> right. I, you know, I was visiting with uh, Mr. Mickey Murphy, okay. who's on the uh, Community Technical College Board for Louisiana and a uh, longtime uh, Dean, Chancellor Sullivan, Botech in Bogalusa, okay. a great individual in our community. Well, he's also the world-renowned uh, watermelon grower of okay. Washington Parish. And, and we were talking technology the other day, and he was amazed because I think it was his daughter, maybe his granddaughter, uh, set up what we know as geofencing okay. for him. And he came to Baton Rouge, and he said, within a couple of hours, he said, all these people were seeing my product on Facebook or social media. <laughs> and he said, I just sold them without any effort, right. you know, here in Baton Rouge. Right. You know, he set his truck up here. And um, so it was just, to me, a great intersection of the history and tradition of Washington Parish meeting and intersecting really with the technology and the possibilities of our future.
Well, I don't know that I always recognize where my watermelons came from. And I don't mean to go off on the watermelon, right. watermelon bandwagon, no pun right. intended. But um, I will tell you that uh, I, I have I, I have picked up um, watermelons in Washington Parish before. And just like the strawberries that are produced in Louisiana, they're different. They're sweeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they taste better. And, of course, they're fresher. They have fewer pesticides and mm-hmm. all of that stuff on them. So I think that's uh, really important. You know, you were talking about timber. As I appreciate it, timber is the number one agricultural crop in the state of Louisiana, correct? It is in terms yeah. of economic value and, and volume. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while since I've worked for the LSU Ag Center. Uh, so, but if I had to guess, I would say probably beef production okay. is close to it. Okay. Um, you know, we've obviously increased a lot of our agriculture efforts right. and, and rice and stuff. But we have so many resources. Washington Parish really is unlike any other parish in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And I know everyone comes, you know, and, and feels that way about their home. But it's true, David. It's when you look at the rolling hills, um, the tall piney woods, it's, it's, it's really an amazing place. It's why our Bogachita State Park is one of the top visited parks in Louisiana, you know, from the mountain bike trails to the um, equestrian trails mm-hmm. uh, to the camping, obviously. And then you have access to the Bogachita River, mm-hmm. which is unlike any other yeah. river. Um, and then now we're getting the Highway 3241, the connection. That's going to be the four-lane connection for our parish to I-12. There's so many opportunities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel strongly that we've got to see the best in ourselves first before we can put our best effort forward to really uh, allow people to discover the the opportunities and and the great living that we provide in Washington Parish. And and look, I have always appreciated your dedication to education because, you know, we both served on the school board during the same time period for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I know... Uh, you are a leader on that board serving as president. I also know that I've seen you at the state capitol before advocating for uh, early childhood education, literacy programs, things of that sort. So you really do put your money where your mouth is. And that is right. Education is a great equalizer, right? It, it really is. It's an opportunity. I say often, you know, we're educating poor children, but it doesn't mean they have to be held back by poor dreams. You know, we have produced in Washington Parish doctors, lawyers, engineers, we've produced school teachers who have gone on to impact generations of children and future workers and taxpayers in our community. There's so much there. And I think that experience, you know, I've been around the Capitol close to 20 years now and really have been an advocate for those issues, but really for rural communities, you know, when it comes to economic development, workforce development, um, access to health care, um, all of the basic tenets you need to really um, facilitate good economic opportunity. You know, with, with Senator Mizell today, I was racing here to Baton Rouge just today. We had um, insurance commissioner-elect, Tim Temples. He came to Frankenton, which we were very thankful for him. And, and he took some time to meet with our local um, insurance um, vendors, providers, and, and such, and some business leaders in our community. There's a lot of things that we have to tackle as a state. I feel very optimistic the next four years, the direction we're going with a lot of races in our state, that we're going to have the courage to make some really bold decisions about Louisiana and our future. Because the reality is for generations, we haven't gotten it right. Right. 
we've gotten close a couple times, mm -hmm. um, but by and large, we've had generations of poor outcomes. And, you know, I'm either going to be very successful and very instrumental in being a part of changing that, or they're going to want to, you know, vote me out as quickly as they can in four years. But my experience really separates me, particularly in my race. There, there's no one that has near the experience right. who understands the process and really looks at those big picture issues that we've got to tackle. Sure. So on, on the insurance front, just a little side note, I do a little bit of, I do a little work in that arena and uh, know Tim pretty well. And uh, so you take your timber industry, you know that it is, it is almost, it is so expensive to get insurance on a logging truck that many, many logging truck operators are parking their trucks, or if they have a fleet of 10, they're running four or five, uh, because if you can find someone to write a truck, they're, they're not, uh, they're not going to, they're going to write one or they're going to write two. And think of the impact that that has in your area when that is your, one of your major agricultural uh, opportunities. It, it, it's crippling. It really is. It's, it's a job killer. You got to understand business, free market, uh, how those things work to really be in a position to make good policy decisions. I really like what I'm hearing from, from Tim. I, I'm really optimistic about where we're going to go. But it's crippling for our state. But if you're the tip of the boot and you're surrounded on two sides by Mississippi, guess where those trucks and those jobs are going? We hear the story all the time about uh, truck drivers who can't get, uh, or op truck operators, I guess mm -hmm. is what I should say, who can't get insurance in Louisiana, because if you get it, it's going to be through a surplus or a void syndicate type thing, who are moving over, establishing a domicile in Mississippi, paying all their taxes to Mississippi, and then driving back on our roads and hauling logs. Uh, it's just crazy. Exactly. Yeah. It, it really is. So we have to do better. Um, you know, I, as I said earlier, We've had generations of poor outcomes. Obviously, what we're doing is not working. And I think a lot of it really truly begins with having that vision and having expectations that, you know, our industries can be some of the best in the world. We've already proven that. Right. We've, we've already proven that we can be the best in the world at things. Um, you know, we could do a whole nother podcast one day with, with Barry Irwin and the Leadership Louisiana program because I, you know, I had the opportunity to go through that program years ago and it was so enlightening but yet so frustrating yeah because how are we in this position we have so many resources no i i look i agree with you um i'm i am uh, a little frustrated uh but i am optimistic as you are yep. that we have a, a new uh group of people coming in i mean we're we'll have a We'll have a new governor in most statewide elected offices, so we can't make any excuses. We're going to have to get it done. Um, but you know, we, we're no longer we're no longer hopeful that Mississippi is actually uh, you know we're we're, we're uh, competing for last place with them because they're surpassing us, and that that in and of itself is uh, is disheartening. It, it it truly is, and if you live, you know, my house is literally less than twenty minutes from Mississippi. Okay. And if I go east, you know, maybe 35 minutes, I'm in Mississippi. Um, I can be in Bay St. Louis, Waveland, that area in an hour, mm -hmm. um, uh, which we, we frequented a lot during the shutdown because Mississippi was thriving and going and not so much here. But anyway, that's, a, that's another conversation for another day. Mm -hmm. 
we, we, we really, we truly have to get it right. And, and you know, my granddaughters, they, they live now in Destin, that Destin area, which is great because yeah. it's only four hours right. instead of 13. Mm-hmm. They're two and one years old right now. Okay. And I tell any group that'll hear me that my indicator of success will be when they're in high school and they're trying to make a decision about what's next for them, that Louisiana's a choice. Yeah, that would be amazing. That we're a viable option. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how we measure for so many of our families. Right. Because when you start talking and you see the faces on the people you talk to about, you know, their children and grandchildren leaving, it, it's apparent that it's a it's an epidemic, if you will. It is an epidemic. And then there, there's two sides to that. So you have the young people leaving, uh, all the, you know, what I say, the best and brightest, you know, the, the brain drain, if you will. Mm-hmm. But then we have a lot of our retirees who are leaving. So they mm-hmm. spend their whole lives here. They make all of their money here. And then when it comes time to spend that money, they go to someplace else that has a better mm-hmm. tax structure, uh, better tax opportunities. I mean, the number of people that I know that have moved to states like Arkansas and Tennessee and North Carolina, it's just unbelievable, and they're retired. They're not going there to work. They're going there to spend their money. You know, I have a handful of folks that now reside in the Smoky Mountains of East Tennessee, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it's so frustrating. And then, you know, I learned today um, that, you know, through the insurance um, issue is that a lot of you middle-class working families now are saying, well, look, you know, home ownership is just not affordable here. Um, we have the most unaffordable uh, insurance uh, in the nation. And so there now you, your middle class working families are shopping, if you will, mm-hmm. other locations. So, you know, there's a lot of lot of upside though here. I think so. And I think we have to make the next four years count. Yeah, I agree know? with you. I think if we uh, if we could have everybody kind of buckle down and, and kind of row in the right direction, I think we can get things going. So, so John, I, I certainly appreciate you being here. This is the part of the show where we say, you know, I had a set of list of questions, but um, is there anything you want to add that we didn't talk about? Make your pitch to our audience and tell them why you should be the next state representative for District 75. Sure. Always take advantage of that opportunity. You know, and it really goes back to the experience. You know, it's, uh, I had someone joke and they're like well they won't have to show you where the, uh, the restrooms are and i'm like well not only that i actually know because you know there's so many hard-working people behind those committees mm-hmm. behind the scenes you know having those relationships with them uh having relationships with leaders here uh, and across the state when, when it gets time to talk about policy and well what does it look like you know what what can we do that's realistic um i think all of those things really separate me uh, particularly in my race. Um, and I think, you know, just the focus on jobs and economic opportunities and knowing that, you know, we have to really address that in infrastructure, if you will, and that includes broadband and roads and all of those other things, but it also includes affordable insur- insurance, access to high quality education, access to health care. All of that is part of that, that process. Yeah. And I'm going to work really hard. Um, and uh, make bold decisions because, again, we've had generations uh, of poor outcomes and generations of opportunities left behind, and we just can't afford that anymore. Yeah, and I, I, I am hopeful as well, and since I work in this arena, I would look forward to working with you when you're elected. Tell our audience how they get in touch with you. Sure. 
Um, the website is www.teamweibel.com. That's T-E-A-M, Weibel.com. Uh, info at teamweibel.com is the email. I'll give you my cell phone number. You can call, text me. Text me is probably better. 985-320-9379. That's great. And again, I want to commend you for offering yourself for additional public service. Um, I, you know your way around the Capitol, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, you put your money where your mouth is. So I really appreciate that. And I appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, you, you have to go out and get the election done, which is a lot of work. And then the real work starts after yes. that. So, so thank you again. And um, just one little closing note. My wife uh, uh, was a 32-year uh, teacher as well. Now, she's retired. So uh, we're done. But, uh, but uh, the education piece is so critically important. And I know that you'll be uh, very committed on that one. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I appreciate this. Absolutely. Thank you, John. So that is our show for today. Uh, we are the Pelican Brief. I'm your host, David Tapman. You can find us on all of the podcasting platforms, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, all of them. You can also find us if you'd like, if you're listening, you'd like to watch on YouTube. Uh, the handle for that is at the Pelican Brief 225. If you would uh, like to follow us on social media, on all social media platforms, our handle is at pelicanbrief225. And if you would like to email us, uh, that email address is thepelicanbrief225 at gmail.com. So thank you for tuning in. Until next time, we are the Pelican. Pelican Brief is an off-script production.